Bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children... So the Lord has compassion for those who fear him, for he knows how we are made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, our days are like the grass. They flourish like a flower over the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? God, our Father, Thank you for your word given to David and passed down to us through the generations. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to all you have to say. Help us to be attentive to the ways we can live these words out in our lives. And help us to be attentive to the ways you are working in and through every one of us. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. The Psalms are the songbook of Israel. They are also known as the book of praises because they teach us through song and through poetry what it means to praise our God. This psalm is a perfect example of that tradition. Psalm 103 is beautiful, poetic, full of sweeping language, expressing God's nature and character, speaking truth and bringing light. 
and it's a hymn. Its words are easily set to melody so that they can be sung for the whole community. I memorized this psalm as a teenager in Sunday school scripture memorization challenges, and in seminary, every Friday, we would sing a version of this song after communion. Because gratitude is in every word. And these are beautiful words to know. But Psalm 103 is not merely beautiful, it is also powerful. They reveal truth about God's character, they reveal truth about our relationship to him, and they reveal truth about what it means to be human. They are words that ask something of us and call us to do something. When we read these words, given their beauty, and given what they say about God and humanity— it could be easy to either see them as beautiful words without implications for our daily lives, removed from us, or we could be overwhelmed by the grand scale of what they are asking us to do. This beautiful psalm, easily sung, says over and over again that it wants all of us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Like so many passages of scripture, God isn't asking for a piece of us. He is asking for the very core of us, our soul, the thing that makes us most uniquely us. And he's asking for all of us, every bit of it, to offer up to him as praise and adoration. Following God doesn't happen in segments or pieces or places. It happens in totality. And this psalm is an expression of that. And that's a big, abstract, sometimes hard-to-grasp concept. What does it actually mean to offer up all of us, every piece, every single piece, to the God of the universe and call it an act of worship, an act of praise? That can be a bit overwhelming to consider, but it can also be a gift, something to treasure. To help us understand Psalm 103 and what it asks of us, we are going to look to the stories that are connected to it, what this psalm reveals about God, and what this psalm reveals about us. Because words like these can force us into an either-or, seeing them as beautiful, faraway, removed words over here, or overwhelming in their implications, it can be helpful to ground these words in a story. This is a psalm written by David, king of Israel, warrior, man after God's own heart. In verse 7, David links this psalm to a story further back in the story of Israel by mentioning Moses. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Often, psalms written by David are linked to a story within the life of David. However, this psalm isn't often linked to the story of David, but because David mentions Moses, it's linked to the history of Israel. God made known his way to Moses. By speaking directly to him in a multitude of ways, in the burning bush at the top of Mount Sinai, 
Moses had the rare privilege of directly hearing the voice of God. God's plan and will for Moses and the people of Israel was spelled out to Moses through every interaction he had with God. He got the 10-point plan of what God wanted him to do. And God displayed his acts to the people of Israel in powerful, powerful ways. The Old Testament is full of these stories. The plagues of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, daily manna in the desert. God's acts on behalf of his people rescued them from slavery, kept them fed and safe, and ultimately delivered them to the promised land. By including this brief reference to Moses and the people of Israel, David is reminding all who hear and read this psalm of something important. These simple words remind us that God is a God who interacts with his people. As we move to consider what this psalm has to say about the character of God, it is important to remember the stories. The stories recorded in scripture tell us how God interacts with his people, how he meets them, rescues them, and redeems them. And the stories of our own lives. Whenever we consider the character of God, we must remember the stories. These words about Moses and Israel, however brief they are, aren't thrown in casually, but are combined with those around it, and it becomes a powerful refrain repeated throughout the story of Israel. Remembering the acts of God to Moses and the Israelites is a common refrain throughout all of Scripture in both the Old and New Testament. Combine that with a list of attributes that immediately follows it, and you have some of the most important repeated verses in all of Scripture. Look again, starting in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Of all the things Psalm 103 says about God, this series of attributes is especially important. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not accuse nor keep his anger forever. I won't force you to hear these words in their original Hebrew, but in that ancient language, they are even more poetic and filled with meaning. This list, in that exact order, is repeated throughout the narrative of Scripture. You can even find it buried in the story of Jonah. This was something repeated by the people of Israel, the very people David just reminded us of and told over and over and over again. Psalm 103 tells us a lot about God. He's compassionate, forgiving, and I hope you do take the time to read those other verses again and think about what they have to say about God this week. But this list here was memorized and repeated by the people of Israel. It is trustworthy and true. God, the God of David who wrote these words, God, the God of the people who repeated them and preserved them so that we might one day read them, 
God, our God, is described by these words. The God we can meet in a Sunday morning, in prayer, at our homes, that God is described as abounding in steadfast love. So what do these words tell us? Scripture is full of stories that demonstrate the meaning of these words. The phrase in the middle, the one I just highlighted, abounding in steadfast love, is a helpful one to meditate on. And I think it helps us understand the others. What kind of love is God's love? Steadfast, unwavering, unending. It's not shaken. Do you know someone you would describe as steadfast? It's a bit of an old-fashioned word, and it's not a word you often hear, so it seems to have a little bit more depth, gravity, meaning, weight to it. When I think of steadfast, I think of the person you turn to when you hear news of a crisis who immediately becomes the least anxious person in the room. No matter what's happening around them, they respond quickly, calmly, and by doing so, they steady everyone else who is in the room. They aren't easily ruffled. They care deeply about what is happening, but they won't allow that to stop them from stepping into whatever crisis has arisen and keeping control of the situation. God's love for us is like that. It's not shaken. It doesn't waver. When chaos rolls in, when we fail, and inevitably we all do at times, he doesn't waver. He remains steady, immovable, unshaken. And it is abundant. Now, abundance is a fun word to imagine. It's like a waterfall after days of steady rain. When the water is high, it can't possibly stay within its boundaries. It splashes and spurts and rushes forward. Just standing near it, you are getting splashed with the power of the water. Abundance is also a little bit like glitter. Once it enters your house, it never really truly leaves. If you do a project involving glitter, no matter how meticulous of a housekeeper you are, it always appears again. Abundance positively overflows. And God's love is like that. God's love doesn't waver, and it flows beyond its boundaries, never ceasing. Now apply that to mercy or grace. What does it mean for God to be merciful? Well, it means that God, full of abundant, unruffled love, hears that the nation of Israel, the nation he has rescued again and again, has been grumbling and complaining and threatening to return to Egypt, the land he just rescued him, them from. They are tired and they are hungry. They are scared wandering in the desert away from all they know. And in their fear, they are doubting the God who rescued them by parting the Red Sea. When God hears their grumbling and complaining, 
God's mercy means that when he hears that, he responds by providing daily bread for them in the form of manna. And that story, right there in Exodus, is exactly why it matters that David throws in this reference to Moses and Israel. It helps us understand what it means for God to be merciful or gracious or not repaying us according to all the things we've done wrong. We can see those characteristics of God in action throughout the whole story of Israel. They fail a lot. And God continues to love them, continues to claim them. Sure, there are times in the story when there are consequences for their actions. They end up wandering in the desert for an extra 40 years. But this passage and passages like it remind us that God continues to be the same no matter what Israel does. The Lord is gracious, merciful, and abounding in steadfast love. Can you understand why the psalmist begins and ends with the command to his own soul? Bless the Lord, O my soul. For all that we can learn of God and his grace to the nation of Israel from Psalm 103, there's also an important implication for us. The God we just described, the God who spoke to Moses, performed mighty acts for Israel, the God of abundant, unwavering love, that God knows us. He remembers that we are dust. He has removed our transgressions. Psalm 103 is pretty clear about the character of God and the ways it is directed toward the people of God, toward those who fear him who keep his covenant. That is the truly beautiful and overwhelming truth of Psalm 103. God knows us, our good and our bad. And we are told that he doesn't hold it against us. His unwavering, steadfast love doesn't change. And this this truth is the gift of Psalm 103. I said earlier that Psalm 103 might overwhelm us, but it also offers us something to treasure. And this is it. God knows us and God loves us. In response, we bless him with our whole being. There are moments when that can be hard to do. We offer all of us to God and that is considered praise. But there are moments when that might seem impossible to give all of us, and I mean all of us, the parts we like and the parts we don't like so well, to the very maker of heaven and earth. But we can rest assured that in those moments, the Lord meets us, the Lord knows us, and the Lord finds pleasure in us. So how do we do that? How do we, with our imperfections, with our gifts, our abilities, our strengths, and our weaknesses, fulfill the command of the psalmist? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We do it by copying David and going on a journey just like the one we just went through with the psalm this morning. 
we remember the stories. The stories of scripture, the stories of God meeting us, wherever we are, whenever we need him. The stories of those we know, we remember the stories. And we use those to teach ourselves and others about the character of God, the merciful, gracious, abundantly loving character of God. We need to tell those stories. Moses had a very specific experience with God. The nation of Israel, King David, they had very specific experiences with God. What about you? How have you seen God be merciful or gracious? When have you felt the abundant, steadfast love of God? Moses, Israel, David, they may have had very specific experiences of God, but their experiences came before ours. And before the most important expression of God's character, they came before Jesus. Before he lived, died, and was raised for our sake so that humanity could know him, know God, and experience forgiveness. David wrote here about forgiveness and the mercy of God, but our understanding of that forgiveness and mercy has been transformed through Jesus. So there is worth in knowing the stories that are recounted here of Moses and Israel and David. But there is worth also in remembering your own stories and the stories of your fellow people. So what's your story? How does it fit within all the stories that have come before and all the stories that are yet to come? of God interacting with his people. Tell these stories. Learn about them and know them well. Just like Israel learned the refrain about the character of God, then we can all join in with David in blessing the Lord with all our soul and all that is within us. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have shown your ways to Moses and your mighty deeds to Israel. Teach us to bless you in all we do. May your Holy Spirit lead and guide us to share your story and our story with others. Equip us for all that our week may hold. In your name I pray. Amen.